The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. Oh, I love Saturdays, don't you? Best night of the week. And the good news, the good news for you investors, October is over. History. Uh, market in the uh, annals of time. Uh, November is upon us. It should be better from a seasonal point of view. Markets like November uh, and they like December. They like January. Uh, it's been a tough, tough slug. Uh, but that's all part of, you know, uh, dealing with excess money. Free money. Big punch bowl uh, was left to all of us for a little too long. And uh, you know what really gets me is how the central banks, both sides of the border, uh, two years ago, said, yeah, we're probably going to have to raise interest rates, but not that much. Not that much. Maybe once or twice. Uh, maybe the 10-year has to get to, I don't know, 2%, 2.5%. Excuse me. Two years later, uh, the 10-year bond yield yielding 5%. They raised interest rates, I don't know, 12 times. I can't even count that high. I don't have enough fingers to count how many times they've raised interest rates in the last two years. Um, and then, you know, Jack and I come into the studio today. We're just debating, you know, is it still a bull market? And, uh, you know, according to the academics and some academic think tank, think tank sat down on Wall Street, I guess, 100 years ago and said, okay, we have to define certain things. What is a bull market? Well, a bull market is when the market is up 20% from its low. Uh, a bear market is when it's down 20% from its low. So the S&P 500 did go higher than 20% from its low set last October. Uh, it's given some of that back lately. And I, don't, I don't think it's up 20% anymore. Uh, but a bear market is when something falls by 20%. Uh, so with bull market up, I think the S&P is now down 10% from peak. So it's uh, nothing more than a price adjustment at 10%. And at 20%, it's a correction. And beyond that, it's a, I guess, a, a crash. Uh, and no, no fear, no fear, my friends, no fear, my friends. The bond market is is is, is an interesting part of the of our world, and the, very complicated. Uh, and most people at home do not pay attention to the bond market, and better things to do with their time. But Jack and I spend a lot of time looking at the bond market and the slope of the curve, as they say, slope of curves. I like curves, and uh, but not when it comes to the bond market. Nope, normal is what I'm looking for, and. Uh, when they take short-term interest rates, higher than long-term interest rates, the bond curve is what's called inverted, and that spells of a coming recession, uh, which we're all waiting for. And uh, isn't it amazing? The, every strategist, with the exception of Jack and I, have been calling for a recession for about two years. And uh, this week's GDP print, GDP print in America uh, was 4.9%. What does that mean? It means that the American economy grew by 4 0.9%. You go into a recession when the economy shrinks, not grows. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, it's a big print. Uh, here at home, you're getting different signals. And again, if you want me to give you a forecast, which you have no choice, I'm going to give you one right now. Uh, next year, you'll see softness in the U.S. economy, maybe a smidge of a recession, which is two negative quarters. I'm not even in that camp, but maybe it's going to happen. It's going to happen next year, not the year after, as far as I'm concerned. Here at home, bit of a different situation. Our yield curve is still inverted. Uh, again, the USU yield curve is flat from two-year term to 30-year term. It's called a flat yield curve, which means it's normalizing where ultimately interest rates should be lower at the short end, higher at the long end. 
that is what a normal yield curve, which makes sense. The longer you lend someone money, the more interest rate, the more uncertainty. So the premium has to be set. And same thing, Canada is uh, a pimple on the global butt when it comes to uh, economic activities. Uh, sorry for the phrase, but it's, it's a fact, factoid. So often, Jack and I, when we go through lists, international lists of things to pay attention to, Canada isn't even on the list. They'll, they'll, they'll highlight Germany, they'll highlight Italy, France, emerging markets, never Canada. I can give you the top 30 of anything. If it's a global thing, Canada is never on the list. And as such, Canadian interest rates, historically speaking, have been higher than American interest rates. Why? Because while we're a smaller country that's dependent on resources, therefore our economy is more cyclical and more volatile. Not this time. Our interest rates remain about 1% below American interest rates. Uh, and uh, again, the 30-year government bond uh, is trading at $62, friends. What that means is that bond was issued not too long ago at $100, and it sold off by about 40%, uh, now trading 62. Uh, the small coupon of 1.75 plus a capital gain gives you what's called a five yield. Um, but uh, again, having that yield as a capital gain from a tax point of view is much more attractive. So uh, I will say and set the, today's table that you can do work in both stocks and bonds at these levels. Um, some of the finest stocks uh, of this bull market that we're in uh, are on the NASDAQ. Uh, tech, tech has led uh, from the October low. NASDAQ up about 35% from its bottom. Gave some of that back, so I'm going to say probably 28% right here right now, I'm guessing. But nicely off its bottom. Uh, but... <laughs> This week has been tough. Google uh, came out with decent numbers, a slight miss on, on, on one factor, and stock got annihilated 10%. Uh, Meta, formerly Facebook, uh, beat across the board, stock trading lower by about 4%. Uh, I am still seeing some tech stocks holding up. My fear is they're going to take them all down. Mike Walkley, he's one of our analysts uh, at Canaccord, communication software and internet security expert and analyst. I want to thank you for giving us your time this evening, uh, Mr. Walkley. Uh, how you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? Oh, we're, you know, navigating through and uh, doing our best to take care of our clients. And I think we're doing a good job at that. But uh, Mike, there's a stock that you cover, um, but you, and you're not favorable on it. You, you, you pay attention to the name, you, you publish on it, um, but it's not one of your favorite names. In fact, it's, it's one of your, I think, least favorite names. And the company's called Okta. Um, Okta is a internet security software company. It's for identity management. Um, and this security company had three security breaches in what, the last couple of years. That sounds pretty tough to swallow uh, considering what it does for a living. It's supposed to protect and it's been breached. How's that possible, Mike? Yeah, it's... Uh probably the worst publicity you could have uh, for a company that's supposed to specialize in security to continue to have breaches. And this last one was particularly bad in that their customers are now upset because they um, let Okta know on October 2nd that they noticed something was wrong and they were um, having issues. And it took, took Okta until October 18th or 19th to admit that they had been breached and there was issues. So bad publicity, there is such a thing as bad publicity and, you know, we haven't been recommending Okta, but we do realize identity is an, a very critically important part of a software security solution. So our favorite name in that area is a company called CyberArk, uh, C-Y-B-R is the ticker. 
we think they're going to benefit as we lowered our numbers in Okta just, just because with this bad publicity, we think it's going to hurt new customer acquisition. And we think CyberArk is going to be the logical beneficiary. They're better at identity. They do a more complicated version of identity called privileged access management, and they've moved into Okta's market. And we think that's the stock you should own uh, versus Okta. Um, and, and, and in cybersecurity in general, there's really kind of three or four key pillars of security. And for network, we think Zscaler, ZS, is the company to own for the long term. They have a next generation solution that's really replacing firewalls that are going away over time. And then CrowdStrike, we think, is probably the best overall um, software security company on the planet doing quite well. So those would be the three names we'd want our investors to own would be CyberArk, Zscaler, and CrowdStrike. Uh, Jack and I own CrowdStrike uh, across our book. We also own Arista Networks and we own Palo Alto Networks. Uh, so a combination of cloud and, uh, and uh, network uh, security. And, you know, it, you stand back for a minute and the world that we are living in today is one where some Israeli borders were quite easily, easily physically breached. And the world's scratching its head and saying, how in the world um, did Hamas manage to breach the physical borders of Israel. Uh, so if, if, if borders can be breached, um, you know, you got to start to walk, think about your own data and your own networks and see they can be breached as well. Um, and again, if you're head of IT for any business and uh, you've been breached, you're not going to have a good day in the office, which means you want to make sure whatever supplier or vendor you are using is going to be breached less, I guess. Um, in terms of, so I think something that's so much more important than you know what businesses do, Mike, are equally important. When it becomes important, it is important. And, and what I'm about to refer to is market sentiment. And I'll take that difference. How participants in the market are feeling about asset classes, sectors, and companies. And um, I don't know how closely, Mike, you follow money flows and your cohort uh, of friends in America, uh, you know, on Wall Street and likes are, are paying attention to money flow. Uh, but I look at 600 charts a day, Mike, and I see 550 mm -hmm. charts pointing lower. Um, now, someone tells me that there's a lot of cash on the sidelines. I know this is not really what you do, but do, do you not agree with me? You, you, you cover some amazing businesses and the market doesn't care. And then you have, you have other businesses that look expensive to you. And the market just continues to bid them higher. What can you say about market sentiment right here, right now, Mike, towards uh, technology? Yeah, I talked to a lot of investors. I think there's a, a cautious view on technology. It had a it had a rally and it's probably going to give some back in, into year end. But kind of going back to the cybersecurity view, you know, I was talking to a CEO the other day. So uh, I'll use his analogy. You know, he said it's better to be a painkiller than a multivitamin. And the point being, you can't cut cybersecurity budget. So when you're looking within software, cybersecurity, we think is going to have a good earnings season and maybe even a good year end budget flush because you know, AI is a double-edged sword, you know, everyone's hyping up AI, but it also makes it easier for the bad actors to trick and get into networks. So it's, it's creating even more security tools needed. And the point being of a painkiller is you need to continue to spend on software security where maybe some application security type type areas, you know, they're more the multivitamin that you can, that you can skip. So point being, if you're going to invest within software, we think cybersecurity and some of the names that you own and that we mentioned, we think those are some of the places to 
to be for better performance in the short term and for long term. You know, those three names I mentioned are next generation leaders and the new pillars of a zero trust architecture. Look, we're going to take a quick break. Mike, how can I solve my problem to know if someone's on the phone or not? What am I going to do? Uh, Stand by. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break. It's iFi Radio show about, you got it, money. Uh, Jack's money, I money, and we want to help you have more money. More money, more money. Hi-Fi Radio 640, Toronto. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Walkley joining us. He's an analyst at Canaccord. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, just interesting times, Mike. Uh, do you think Apple's going to hold these levels that it's trading at right now, or is it going to uh, pull back? What's, what's, what's your intuition telling you about that uh, champion? I think the earnings will be good enough that it, it should hold levels. But, you know, one of the worries, as you talked about flow of funds, is, you know, Apple's one of these big cap stocks holding up the market, right? So, Kind of as you talked about Meta and Facebook and others, if every metric isn't perfect, maybe you do get more of a pullback and an opportunity you know, to step in. But you have to remember Apple has a cash neutral policy and they have a ton of cash. They continue to generate cash. When I say a ton of cash, you're well over $50 billion in net cash. So they're out there buying their own stock and they'll be supporting it if there is any weakness and uh, continue to return more cash to investors. So I think the stock hangs in there well enough but uh at some point if we get a broader market recovery some of these large cap stocks like an apple might be a a source of funds to you know help some of these uh smaller cap stocks like the russell 2000 that's that has not uh, participated in the recent rallies um usually when you come out of a bearish market it's usually led by the smaller cap stocks so so that'd be something to watch and as you talked about your flow of funds that you track well, I don't track it. Just a you know, flow of funds. A friend of mine once said, uh, you know, well, when people say this, all this cash on the sideline, I said, yeah, right. Who counted that cash? And yeah, there are metrics that we can follow. I know Martin Roberge, but you're laughing because you're, you're appreciating the humor in what he just said. It's, it's wisdom. You can be careful yeah. when people make these broad sweeping statements uh, for, for the truisms in what they have to say. You're going to agree with that point, eh, Jack? Absolutely, Wolf. And uh, I think that big tech, uh, Apple's obviously the biggest of the tech, People have been hiding in it, right? It's been a bear market for at least 18 months. Uh, you say, you know, there's a bull market in the NASDAQ and the S&P, but it's been a challenging market for mm-hmm. sure. Um, people look, are, they're looking for safety in companies like Apple, big tech, lots of cash flow, um, buying back shares, paying dividends. And um, with that cash flow, Mike, research and development, what are some of the most interesting things I'm going to say that um, Apple is doing right now? You got the watch, you got the buds. Uh, that Wolfgang mentioned. Is there an iCar coming or is, are there other things in the pipeline that, you know, you've got a lot of cash like that, Wolf. What are no, they no, doing? No, they got to, no, but they got to stay on the top of the heap yeah. and they need a new mousetrap. 
Yeah, I think you're right. One thing that they are doing, their service is growing faster than the hardware, so that's helping the gross margin and cash flow generation. So more and more on the software services side, they have over a billion paying subscribers now to different services. So I think you're seeing some of that cash go into even um, shows and other things for their, uh, you know, for their Apple TV, as that's another service they're growing. You know, they've been, they're definitely working on a car if and when that comes. You know, who knows? Apple's always a, wants to get things perfect before they come out with such a project, but that's something still in the works. Um, you know, the new thing that could drive some incremental sales is their AV headset. So that's another thing that, uh, that, that could, could there, could help it. You know, the, when you're the number one smartphone player in the world and, and smartphones are, or telephones are the, largest consumer electronics item in the world, um, that's hard to move needle with other things unless there is a car or something else. But I think services and software, driving margin improvement, increased cash flow is what we'll see in the next year or two. Um, fascinating. Again, uh, when we have uh, George Interakis on our for call, uh, he's our uh, Tesla analyst. I asked him about a Tesla yeah. phone. I forgot about the Apple car story. Uh, so just for fun, Mike, again, building a phone, I think is a lot easier than building a car. I could be wrong. Um, but what do you think comes to market first? If either, uh, Apple car or Tesla phone and what'd be more relevant, more significant to which business who would have greater impact Would Tesla have a greater benefit having a car, excuse me, a phone, or would Apple be more benefited by having a car? Who'd be the ultimate winner in that? I think Apple with a car could, you know, just because it's, it's a premium brand, right? So if they come out with a car, it's going to be premium and there's going to be a certain amount of um, competition with Tesla. Should they, should they make a successful car? I think it's tough to do, but if you look at the smartphone market, it's really about that app ecosystem. So I think it can be really hard to see a new company come in. You, I mean, Tesla would have to get all the app developers behind it to, um, if they came out with a phone with their own operating system. Otherwise, if they just came out with a pretty piece of hardware that used Android, you I know, could see the Android it'd be tough to differentiate. Yeah. I, but I don't know. If, I don't know if it, you know, there's been specially branded high end Android phones and, and they sell like 1% in the market. You know, it's really dominated by Samsung. Um, yeah. So yeah, it'd be easier for Tesla to enter the market and maybe with their brand on it, they could sell some, but I don't know if it moves the needle for Tesla, whereas a, a car could, theoretically move the needle for Apple, but, you know, it's a debate that uh, we'll see how it plays out, but uh, just haven't covered the handset. But you think, so, so you think they actually have a, do they actually have a prototype? Have they been uh, doing some prototypes in some uh, locked up uh, warehouses where they're chiseling away and, you know, banging out some metal and coming up with some design of, a, of an Apple car? They actually that far down the road? Yeah, I think they're that far down the road, but once again, is it good enough to, bring to the public and compete with Tesla? Probably not, but you know, they have, they have a big team there. They've had a lot, of, they've hired people from other EV companies. So they're, they're certainly there, but you know, on the flip side, they've been trying to make their own modem for quite a long time and they still use Qualcomm. So, you know, Apple doesn't do things until they get it absolutely right. They'd rather be late, but protect that premium brand uh, that they have. So, um, I'm not expecting the car anytime soon, but you know, this has been five, 10 years in the works. So we'll, we'll see if they surprise us in the next couple of years. Five to 10 years in the works. Wow. Really? They've been working on a car you think for, for, for up to 10 years? At least five. Yeah. This has been rumored for 10, but at least five. Uh, so. 
I would just say where, where Apple really can add value in automotive, it's not the mechanical side. It's not the nuts and the bolts. It's going to be the operating system. I expect that they will come out with it. They're a leader uh, in technology. And as the car evolves, as we move to electric, the operating system is where you're going to be able to differentiate Wolf. And I believe Apple is going to be a leader someday, maybe not in the near future, but I believe that they will uh, take the lead there and uh, pass on the baton to Apple. In terms of data collection, Mike, this is something you know a lot about because there's a category in technology called the Internet of Things. And Jack just showed me a report. I think it was from Morgan Stanley, Jack? Yep, Morgan Stanley. Uh, What matters um, when it comes to IT spending this year? And some, the, the phenomena of Internet of Things is at the bottom of the list. Companies are not spending money on the Internet of Things. That said, they're still collecting data. Uh, every which way you turn, data is being collected. So I ask you now, Mike, are you better able to collect data with a cell phone, smartphone, or a car? What data is more relevant? Probably with a cell phone because you bring that with you everywhere, but a car is very important too. So. They're both important and kind of to build on what Jack said, Apple CarPlay is extremely popular in cars. People use their phone and it hooks into your yeah. screens and now they use it. Yeah. that as their operating system. So so Apple, that's why I feel like Apple has a better chance at a car than Tesla, you know, making a big break into the smartphone market. It's kind of a fun debate to have. It is a fun um, debate. But I'd say the phone, the phone's more valuable, right? You bring it with you everywhere. I mean, I think some crazy statistic with these teenagers nowadays. I think the average person looks at their phone 400 times per day, which just seems insane to me. But but uh, People get yeah, mad at you. They say, hey, well, I just sent you a text. Do yeah. you think this thing's glued yeah. to my left hand? I know it may be to you. not mine, exactly. but wow. You say 400 times a day. Uh, Mike, let me ask you this question. Uh, I, I know this from my old radio yeah. days uh, and television days. In radio, time spent listening was a huge metric that um, BBM up here in Canada, the Bureau of Broadcast Measurement, through their uh, physical diaries back in the day, would and people would fill them out physically with a stylo, otherwise known as a pen. Um, time spent listening was very important. And, you know, a talk radio station like this would have had the average listener spend, you know, maybe eight hours a week on it. Uh, That metric has probably been um, tweaked in a different fashion. But when it comes into smartphone time spent viewing, uh, any statistics that you can throw out to us maybe to help parents uh, wean their kids back a bit or vice versa? Time spent viewing? Yeah, it's... It's, it's it's too much is kind of the bottom <laughs> line. I mean, it, it's a, you know, I, I I don't remember off the top of my head. I just, that 400 times per day stuck out with me because that just seems like. Well, I was going to say, Meta right now has a legal case going against them because of the addictive uh, attributes of uh, yeah. their product. It just came out in the U.S., Wolf. Uh-huh. And it's targeting youth. Yeah. Uh, what do you think of that, Mike? No, it, I agree with it. I mean, some of the smartphone stuff, I mean, there's studies out there I've read where every time you get a text message or like it, it, it releases dopamine Correct, and it is yeah. addictive and you know, yeah, they kind of don't want younger kids on it because it can create ADHD and other things. So there's and depression, there's you're not getting you know, the lights you want it. You yeah. get depressed and Oh my yeah, goodness cool. me. My, my, so my daughter yeah. wanted to download My daughter wanted to download an app on her smartphone or iPhone. And all of a sudden it said to download this free app, you need a credit card. And uh, he said, we're not giving you a yeah. credit card. She said, no, I need your credit card. I need this app. And we said, no. And she lost it. 
and we came, we gave her the credit card. Uh, but I hate when my kids have my credit. I don't want my kids to have my credit card number, let alone on the smartphone. But you, you tell them no. Yeah. Good luck when it comes to their smartphone. I need to be able to communicate with my my friend. Was there was it her TikTok app? I think it went dead on her for some reason. She had to read down. She accidentally deleted her app, and then to get the new TikTok app. That's right. Uh, she had to uh, leave her credit card. And that's the Chinese internet uh, social be correct. Yeah. Um, they're watching, aren't they, Mike? Yeah. Hey, they watching through TikTok. Uh, what, what do you think? Probably so. I mean, yeah, anything coming out of China, you probably need to be a little cautious about, uh, you know, I'm a different generation. I'm in my 50s. The only social media I use is LinkedIn, and that's it. So uh, so I'm, I'm not the best at knowing what all these apps do, but, uh, you know, clearly they watch it. And yeah, to a point you made earlier about collecting data, you know, a company up in Canada called BlackBerry, they're trying to make a business model because they do the operating system for a lot of these vehicles. So they are able to get a lot of data off the vehicles, and they're trying to then create a third-party app store to – you know, for the future, like you can reserve parking spots in advance to charge your car. Um, you can get diagnostics back to your car manufacturer. So BlackBerry has announced they're trying to spin out that auto business. Um, oh, there's a, there's a oh, so, next year. So what about Tesla Apple so, buying it? Yeah. So yeah. they're trying to spin out that business. Um, but do you think, think they, they would Tesla it? or Apple buy it? Take, take the whole spin no, out? No, think of it as ARM. It's the operating system used by everybody but Tesla and Apple. So kind of like ARM. ARM the, holdings, yeah, the, the semiconductor. for chip right. companies. So it's hard. It's, if anybody bought it, then they'd lose all their other customers. But uh. because Ford and BMW and all these electronic EV manufacturers outside of Tesla use BlackBerry for that operating hmm. system, they have a unique unique area where they collect a lot of data. And that's. That's the one exciting business within BlackBerry that people are paying attention to, and the company's now going through the auditing and breaking the company up in half. Half their business is cybersecurity, half is this business they call IoT, but it's really this car operating system called QNX, and that's something they look to spin out as a separate IPO. Sometime um, they're targeting probably mid-2024. Interesting. So something to keep an eye on for a Canadian company. Thank you, Mike. Mike Walkley, uh, senior analyst at Canaccord. He specializes in uh, security communication software. He's been on Wall Street for over 20 years. Uh, top Gun guy, uh, Top Gun analyst. A tre- uh, pleasure and a treasure to have him with us as part of the Canaccord CG Wealth Management team. And I was available to both Jack and I for the Wolf on Bay Street team to help our clients build and protect wealth. Uh, you have a good weekend, Mike. Uh, we're going to speak with uh, market technician, quantitative big brain, Javid Mirza. He's a certified financial analyst, his MBA as well, and a certified market technician. Uh, it's good tea leaves uh, to pay attention to. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. The green plastic watering can For a fake Chinese rubber plant Welcome back. It's just a beautiful piece of music I want to share with you. Yes, some Radiohead. It's a gorgeous song. Uh, 
Well, Christmas is upon us. You're supposed to buy when it snows, sell when it grows. And now if you get a green plastic tree, you got a green plastic tree. Um, Javid Mirza, market technician, quantitative guy, certified market technician, certified financial analyst, good friend of ours. Spending some time with us, uh, Javid looks at the charts. Um, Javid, I look at 600 charts a day. And uh, what I have noticed of late is about 550 of those charts uh, pointing lower and barely 10% or less pointing higher. And it's amazing because if you look at the numbers, uh, what, less than 10% of stocks are actually above their 50-day move on average. So this market is, uh, has corrected. Um, I ask you, uh, from a seasonal point of view, from an oversold point of view, Javid, uh, have we found bottom? Uh, well, good question. So first of all, I want to acknowledge and congratulate you guys for recently winning uh, 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 a very prestigious award. I know CG really, uh, recently had a conference, so I wish I could have congratulated you guys in person, but uh, here's my kudos to you guys for that uh, achievement. That's uh, very positive. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so and very well-deserved. Thank you. So here's, here's what I would say up Look, last time you saw us in our most recent BNN appearance, we talked about uh, this intermediate term correction. This was back in July, and we highlighted some levels. I think we were looking at the 200-day and this 41.85 support level on the S&P 500. So, so far for the last couple of weeks, I guess even months, because we've corrected through uh, August, September, and October, we've kind of been in line with what we were looking at. Unfortunately... Over the last, uh, I would say, week and a half, markets have continued to deteriorate, and we're starting to see some signs of panic selling. Now, I don't like that we moved below the 200-day on the S&P 500. Um, we are still above the four-year or 200-week moving average on the S&P 500, and you know, Wolf, you still get the, some of the stuff I send out, and there's a lot of secular longer term charts that remain constructive, but we're definitely close to a breaking point. And I think we're seeing that and we'll likely see some sort of capitulation low either this week or next week. But I do think, you know, this conflict in the Middle East, that could be a potential game changer. I think people are worried about potential other outcomes from that occurring. So definitely things are challenged right now. But I would say this is typically, you know, these points of maximum pain is usually when you want to be stepping in there. So hopefully that helps answer your question. I think it is kind of touch and go, um, but it's uh, that that's kind of review. Right now, the longer term charts say we remain in the secular bull market in equities, but it is getting much more um, nerve wracking, especially for uh, money managers such as yourself and ourselves. Well, you know, when the wolf is crying... You should be buying. And, uh, I do have a few tears in my eyes, I have to say. It's been tough. Uh, just looking at the S&P 500, it's the 500 largest companies in America. It's a granddaddy of global indexes. Uh, every money manager pays a lot of attention to it. Some are debating this last couple of years that a few stocks have driven it to these levels, the, the magnificent or the fabulous or whatever word, the, the fantastic 10, whatever they're calling them. They used to be the FANG stocks. Uh, anyways, about 10 stocks driving it. A uh, bit of a nifty 50 phenomenon going on. Uh, anyways, the S&P 500 at these levels is about 4,100 points. Uh, I looked at the chart myself. You published the same print 
the same number in your print, which is if market has another leg down, it's probably going to about 3,800, where it's got some significant support. It's about 7% lower from where it is today. Uh, what's the, in your opinion, Javid, uh, what's the probability of that number 3,800 coming in between now and year end? Great question. Um, it's definitely increased from where, if you asked me even two weeks ago, uh, where I would have said it was like maybe 10, 15%. I think it's doubled. I think maybe 30, 35% right now. So we're testing at 4185 level. Um, it looks like that we're likely to see a weekly close below it. So my level on the S&P 500 is 39, 35. And then the four year, which is around 39.40. So a bit above the level you're looking, but in the same general. No, because you were, you, you, yeah, I was just looking at a, a, a loose uh, monthly yeah. chart there going back 40 years. I was looking at a 40 year chart, believe it or not. Uh, yeah. And you know, it's incredible because when you look at longer term charts, um, five year, 10 year charts, you get a different feel for a company than you do when you just look at a one year chart. And uh, I I will say so many companies are trading about half the price they were at their previous peaks. Uh, There's got to be better value out there. But I go back now to market sentiment. And it's remarkable. The the market today does not want some of the most stable businesses on the planet, which is the Canadian banks. It doesn't care. It's taking the Canadian banks lower. Food stocks, lower. If you're an obesity stock, higher. Uh, technology, the, the last man standing, I'm just wondering if they're going to take down the generals, the, the apples, the crowd strikes, the Amazon has corrected a little bit, but nothing too dire yet. Uh, Meta, a little bit, but not too much. I wonder if they're going to take the generals down, Javid. But I, I want you to speak about that. I also want to speak about money flows. Is money leaving equities net-net and heading into another asset class? I would say fixed income bonds, treasuries. Uh, is it leaving north of, how do you see money flowing? Where is it going? Because there's no saying on, on Wall Street and Bay Street, follow the money. Help us with that, yeah. Javid. Great, great question. And then I think that the second saying in there is that there's always a bull market somewhere and that's where the, the money, that's where you're looking for the money flow. So a couple of things, uh, a couple of cans of worms. So let's examine <laughs> them one by, one by one here. First one, yes, Apple today moving below the 200 day. So it's, Thursday, we're chatting around noon, and uh, we're seeing that happen kind of live here. So definitely, that's not good. Um, What I would like to see in terms of the broader market, and I'm starting to see a little bit of signs of that. If you look at some of the banks here today uh, in the U.S., they're holding in. And I guess my point is, and something you pointed out, the dichotomy here is that the fangs, they're coming uh, under pressure. But if we can see the rest of the broader market hold in here, and that's kind of been our call during this corrective phase is that we were uh, looking for the broad, like industrials, materials, financials, to kind of start doing some of the heavy lifting into the second half of what we believe was a four-year cycle that started back in October 2022. And that's been our call uh, this whole time. But in terms of bonds especially, uh, I think you saw what we highlighted on the weekend is uh, and this is another something uh, important I'll point out about, about technical analysis. And you talked about that with that 20 or 40 year chart you're looking at is I think people focus uh, incorrectly on technicals as just a trading tool. Whereas, well, you know, from our work and Jack, that most of our work, we're looking at, you know, 50 year charts, 100 year charts. And we're trying to put people in the right 
outside of these longer term trends. We have to take a quick break here. I do want to talk to you more about gold. Uh, we're speaking with Javid Mirza. Uh, he's a technical analyst, uh, certified financial analyst, certified market technician. Uh, he publishes so much amazing work that Jack and I are privileged to be able to see. And of course, speaking with him uh, solidifies uh, all we think about this very, very smart man. Uh, quick break, get back with Javid, uh, Hi-Fi Radio, show about money. And we're talking charts and uh, reading tea leaves and looking at a crystal ball. So much fun. Stay tuned. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. That's what we should have given you, Tony. That's the piece. Hey, Canaccord Conference, this gentleman walking up onto stage, that is the music. But they didn't ask me. I try to help Tony. Anyways, Tony Dwyer from Wall Street, our U.S. strategist on the International Committee. And it, you got a long handle. You, guess, you, do, you do so much for Canaccord. Uh, you really do. And you work really, really hard. And, you know, in a pinch, we have a question. We call you. You get back to us. You're very, very helpful, Tony. Uh, gracias, uh, my friend. Gracias. Uh, well, happy to do it. So, Tony, uh, to again, I know you don't want to talk specific stock. I do, and I'm going to, and you can you know, skate on side and worry about the regulators. I get it. You don't want to wear an orange jumpsuit, and the regulators are they're pretty tough south of the border. Uh, that's why I don't even want a U.S. license. Um, but it's great that you can spend some time with us up here on the radio in Canada. Uh, of course, this can be heard around the world, podcasts and stream it. So, yeah, it's an international show. Uh, good morning for those tuning in to, from Germany. And uh, hello, if you're in London right now, if you're in America, well, hey. Your brother, Tony, is spending time with us, Tony Dwyer. Uh, Tony, big fang stocks, Meta, Google, Amazon, Facebook, or Facebook is Meta, uh, Microsoft. Uh, do you think the within 18 months, because uh, interest rates are going to peak and roll over and the world will go on, uh, do you think those stocks best their highs? I, you know, I think it's going to be stock specific, as I said, Wolfie. The thing that um, I think is most important is I don't think it's sustainable that the mega cap stocks, whether they're tech or not, can maintain the percentage of the market that they're in. So either the rest of the market improves as they weaken or uh, they go up less than the rest of the market. So what do you think? Is the rest 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 of the market going to participate and push higher? I think it will once interest rates come down. You have to have a catalyst for for growth. Like the Dwyer family or the Wolfie family or the Jack family needs money to be able to spend money. And there's only two ways to get it. You can borrow it or you can get it from your job. And as you know, you know, Wall Street and work full employment in, in the US, which means it's you're not gonna get a significant increase in your job. Labor inflation's actually starting to decelerate a little bit which is good you're not getting a big number from your job you got to get it from 
a bank or borrow it or get it somehow. And and that banks are very tight in their lending standards. Yeah, but you're getting so, money from your hey, job. You're just really not get getting more money. To, to get money. Yeah, but Tony, you're always talking about more money. It's amazing. And this is the, the, the beauty uh, of, of, of you know, countries is they're, they're unique and you travel the world. And people just view things a little differently. Um, you speak about spending money. Hi-Fi Radio is about working and saving money and investing money and living beneath your means. You, you ever hear the concept of beneath your means, Tony? Does that resonate with anyone on Wall Street? I don't know that anybody <laughs> really wants to live beneath their means. You have to, buddy. You gotta. You gotta. Good. So you... So you live you live beneath your means yes. to send me your money. Well, no, I'm going to invest my money. I'm buying I'm buying tech stocks. That's why you, you work, you save, you invest, you repeat. You do that for 25 years. A thousand bucks a month, Tony, in the TSX, okay, which is compounded at nine percent over history. The S and P is compounded. I can ask you, how much is the S and P compounded, Tony, in the last 70 years post Second World War? What's the long term number? Probably about seven percent. About seven percent. Plus dividend gives you close. I, I I got eleven on my board. On my index chart, it says eleven. Uh, Long term yeah. return for the S and P five hundred. Small caps even more. Tech even more. Well, but we'll, we'll call it ten. Call it nine. Well, okay, I use nine go as ahead, example. Go ahead. Sorry, Tony. The listeners understand. So you, those markets go up because they track earnings. Earnings go up because it tracks growth. Growth goes up because it's funded by money. So if you don't have, if you're not spending any money and you're just investing your money, you got to spend the money to have economic activity. I'm spending lots of money, Tony. I'm creating economic, but I don't spend all of it. I don't spend more than I take in. Well, unfortunately, most people are not in that position. Most people um, in the U.S. from a population standpoint, the richest country in the world that they make, the richest country in the world, so, Tony. My God. Wow, we got to save money, man. We got to save money. Everyone has to save money, financial independence. You, we spend so much money. I had a great article, I think. Did you put on my desk, Jack, that article about the, the good old days? Oh, the good old days, the 50s. I missed 1950, they say, the article. I mean, wait a minute. In 1950, only three out of 10 homes had a car, Tony. How many cars does your family have? How many cars does my family have? Jack, how many cars in your driveway? You're a very modest guy. How we many have cars? two. You have two cars. There you go. In 1950, you had a third of a car. Oh, yeah. You're spending money. We're all spending money, but you don't spend <laughs> all of it. A bike or a horse. What's it? But yeah, progress. It's all good. And and amazing how cheap technology has become. Like the old black and white television sets in 1950 that I think one out of 10 owned compared to the flat screens today. It's amazing, eh? Wow. It is. It's just just incredible. You get so much more for so much less. Anyways, Tony uh, Dwyer, it is always a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed a little fun today. It is Saturday night. We don't get too serious with people. Tony, go go spend some money, buddy. Go spend large. Borrow, borrow, borrow. Um, Jack will lend you some dough. I'm not going to. Forget that. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to continue to live beneath my means. And friends at home, I encourage everyone, live beneath your means. You still got lots. Trust me. Have a great weekend. Sci-Fi Radio, each and every Saturday. Please tell your friends, spend some time with us, and for spending the hour with us today, I say thank you, and I love you. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardhill, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email wolfandjack at wolfgangkline.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. 
The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.